Peter, I want you to get your knife. What? Just, just do as I say. Get it! There aren't much time here. You have to do something for me, Peter, okay? Cut me no, loose. No. No. There's too much weight here. One cam's never gonna hold it. I can get it. You understand in. what I'm saying? I you have to in. cut me loose. If you no, don't do this, do I'm gonna pull everybody down and everybody's it'll gonna die. You're wrong. It'll Shut up, Eddie! It's one dead or three, Peter. You understand don't, what I'm saying? Just think about it. Don't make him do this. All right, she's gonna kill don't your sister. And he's gonna die if you don't do this. Now cut the rope. No, I won't do it. Just cut the rope. Cut the rope. Any second now, that camera's gonna come out of the wall, and Annie and you are gonna die. Is that what you want? You're gonna kill your sister. Stop it, no. Cut the damn rope! Cut Don't it! Do it. Doesn't Don't matter do it. about me! Just cut it! No. We're running out of time here! Don't do it, Just Peter. cut it! Nobody's Don't gonna blame you for it. it! Just cut it, Peter! No. We're gonna die! No. I knew you were gonna die! No. Just cut it, Peter! No. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I am Heath Lambert. I'm joined one more time before the big episode 100. We're just a couple away by Chris Lambert. We've lost count of how many times he's done it, but we're going to do it again in a couple of weeks, so. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I know a while back, I counted episode 20 for me. I haven't counted again since then. I'm not sure, but I'm by the time we hit 100, I might be in a quarter of the episodes. I'm not positive. Maybe. I'd have to, do, I'd have to look at that again. Uh, it's a little bit of a landmark as well, this episode. The Notebook, the Black Composition 100 sheet college ruled notebook that I have been using to take my notes on movies for the entirety of this show. I kind of hoped it would make it to episode 100 just to, that's a nice piece of symmetry, right? Uh, but no, tonight's movie, this episode's movie, Vertical Limit from the year 2000 is the last movie I have, that I can fit notes on for this notebook. So this notebook will be retired at the end of this episode to start a new notebook and oh that feels like something <laughs> it lasted a long long time i mean that's every movie except for i didn't take notes the only episodes i didn't take notes for were the three so far full-length commentary episodes and i did not take notes for uh lord of the rings because i knew that was that wasn't going to be so much a plot beat by beat discussion it was going to be more of an overall and also, it's I've seen it a million times, so I didn't really need to, you know. So, those are the only four episodes. <laughs> so, this notebook managed to get 90, what, two episodes worth of notes in it. But here we are, episode 97. So, good job, notebook. Um, Vertical <laughs> Limit. Directed by Martin Campbell, who directed Zorro movies and Green Lantern. <laughs> And also Casino Royale, one of the, in my opinion, best and, movies and, of the last 20 years. What else? I think and, uh, lately... I think he did Goldeneye, too, didn't he? he? Yes, Goldeneye, of course, yes. That was kind of his big, his first kind of breakout thing, I think. Yeah, it's so weird that he did Goldeneye and Casino Royale. <laughs> That's <laughs> so crazy, because those movies could not so, be more different. So very different. Yeah. And I think he just did this last whatever Liam Neeson thing that came out. Look, man, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about we don't need three Marvel movies a year. You know what we don't also don't need? Because <laughs> it's June. <laughs> it's June, and there have already been three Liam Neeson, it's basically just taken again movies. 
three already. The man is like, he's found, good for him, man. He's found his like cottage industry, but come on. Just, I remember seeing a trailer for a movie he put out a couple of years ago where he's like a snowplow driver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But somehow he also has that certain set of skills to, you know, take down anyone who messes with his family and that happens. And so, and I was just like, yeah, it's, it's taken with a snowplow. I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, they're all, <laughs> I mean, God bless. It's just not my thing. But it's, before we get in Vertical Limit, and I've kind of done a bigger version of this rant on the Thor episode, but I'm so, so, so over movie critics. <laughs> like, you gifted to me a t-shirt that says, unpaid movie critic. I don't consider myself a movie <laughs> critic. I mean, I talk about movies. You know, but I certainly don't get paid to do it. I don't write up reviews, whatever. Movie critics are, uh, just annoy me. They annoy me. Look, okay, Top Gun. Everybody loves it. It's super good. Great, great movie. But <laughs> I've heard nothing for the last several years. But, oh, Star Wars and Marvel movies are just nostalgia bait, blah, blah, blah. Propping up the industrial military complex. You know, Captain Marvel, what a piece of shit. It's all about how the American Air Force is the... Okay, blah, blah, blah. Top Gun comes out. Not a fucking word to say about it. Oh, it's the movie of the year. Thank God Tom Cruise has come along and saved cinemas. Eat shit. Number one. <laughs> no, you don't get to just decide, well, this one we like, so we're going to give it a pass. Because if there's ever a fucking movie that's propping up the American <laughs> military-industrial complex, it's fucking Top Gun. <laughs> and you talk about nostalgia bait that movie does not wait four minutes before it needle drops Kenny Loggins Danger Zone you know what I mean <laughs> like what are you talking uh, about I I mean I I do but at the same time I don't because I haven't seen it and I won't see it A because I'm, I another discussion for another time but I have I have vowed never to give tom cruise any more of my money and b i have seen that trailer at every movie <laughs> i have gone to for three years and i i just i, I can't stand it anymore <laughs> yeah, that's understandable yeah i mean yeah there's the whole yeah, tom cruise is a whole another issue and setting that Side maybe like I'm not I'm not gonna miss a Mission Impossible movie I can tell you that because that's the most like consistently great franchise there is so I won't argue I'm a huge fan I I did wait till the last one came out on DVD and got it for free from the library but but just the, I did watch it like try harder to hide your bias movie critics that's all I'm saying. And look, I'm not look, I like MCU movies. I like them a lot. Is there a sing is there an MCU movie or a Star Wars movie that's in my top twenty favorite movies of all time? Absolutely not. They are what they are. And I enjoy them for what they are. But you don't get to complain about these things in those movies, and then Top Gun comes along and you give it a fucking free pass to do all the things you've been bitching about. And you're bending over backwards to kiss its at. Like, no, come on, man. <laughs> you know? And I'll, I'll go ahead and say, I mean, 
I guess this is a hot take, but uh, my feelings about Tom Cruise aside, my feelings about the buildup of this movie aside, the original Top Gun, okay. Just okay. I never thought it was a great movie. I mean, it, it's all right. Yeah. yeah. It's, but that's what I'm talking about in the nostalgia. There are people coming to the theater, and I know this, I've seen it firsthand, <laughs> who literally have not been to a movie theater to see a movie maybe since the first Top Gun. <laughs> like, there's people, like, you know, like this, they've been waiting, and it's just, it's nostalgia. It's just the nostalgia. You know, it, it has its own version of the homoerotic yeah. beach scene, volleyball, except it's football instead, and Smile Teller instead, you know what I mean? Like, it's cashing in on all yeah. these beats Ugh. that you loved so much in the first one, and it's the same fucking thing you accuse Spider-Man of being, except it actually wasn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's so it's so insane. Or like, this was a baffling one to me. The fact that I maybe I've already talked about this on here. I don't know, but <laughs> Eternals is the Marvel movie that critics have been begging for, and they gave it to them, and they went, "No, this is the worst one yet." But you know what we really love? Jackass Forever. Eighty-seven percent on Rotten. Get the fuck out of here. That's cinema to you? That's cinema. You hate the you hate Marvel movies so much that an Academy Award winning director makes exactly the Marvel movie you have been complaining about and asking for. And you hate it. But you love Jackass forever. That's cinema to go just go home. Just stop. Just stop. I can't. I can't. What are you even talking about? But, and that segues into, I was reading reviews for, <laughs> rant over mostly, for Vertical Limit. Not a movie that was liked. 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, like 41% audience score. This movie is so stupid. Oh, action, blah, 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 character depth, none. Plot is stupid. Here's an interesting experiment. Look up, look at all the critics who gave Vertical Limit terrible reviews and see how many of those same critics gave the last Fast and Furious, last couple Fast and Furious movies glowing reviews. Because <laughs> you want to talk about stupid shit that we don't need 10 of. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god. And look, I don't even... Mm. I enjoy the Fast and Furious movies that, for what they are. And I don't have a problem. If you, if you like them, that's fine. If you don't like them, that's fine too. But they are the dumbest the dumbest you know what i mean like that they are the oh, yeah. stupidest fucking movies but they're a lot of fun so that's fine but just what a weird shift between like those movies are great vertical limit sucks <laughs> you know? but like maybe i'm because i don't know mountain climbing maybe it's just riddled with like none of these things would ever happen i don't know i feel like maybe nitroglycerin isn't maybe quite that <laughs> volatile <laughs> that just sunlight will make it explode but so i'm sure there's stupid stuff in here but i promise you there is nothing in a vertical limit as stupid as something that happens every two and a half minutes in a fast and furious movie <laughs> you know what i mean so i don't know their idea critics ideas are shifting and have changed to whatever they are i don't know <laughs> we'll see how much of this i cut out anyway <laughs> Vertical Limit is a movie I think is a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've always been pretty positive on this one. I, I remember, I, I know I didn't see it in the theater, but I, I, like, shortly after it came out on DVD, it was one of the first, it was one of the first DVDs I bought, because it was still kind of the new thing back then. And I bought it used at Mr. Movies or something like that. And I remember liking it. I mean, it hasn't held up well, especially special effects wise. I, I was watching it this time going, man, I, I didn't know back then how bad these special effects were. <laughs> like, like the opening shot of the film. Oh, oh that with die, the birdemic dire CGI hawk. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is six years after Jurassic Park came out. You can do I like I know you don't have Jurassic Park budget, but holy shit, figure something out because this this bird is not cutting it, man. Or even just the I mean, this movie is wall to wall the most obvious green screen you've ever seen in your life. Like, you know? Oh yeah. But you know, it's the year two thousand. <laughs> Maybe it couldn't, you know, probably could have been better for that. But <laughs> But it's the thing, reading the reviews, the critics at the time at the time were like, wow, it looks really great. It's just real dumb. <laughs> and all the characters are stupid and dumb. <laughs> like, it, But it doesn't look great, though. So you're wrong about that. Even at the no. time, there's no way this looked good. I cannot imagine this bad green screen on the big screen. How it must have looked. Yeah. Maybe we were just used to it then. I don't know. Or <laughs> we're fine with it, whatever. But. but can we talk for a minute about the cast in this movie? Holy crap. I don't think we've we've had a movie on here so far with a cast like this. Uh, Except, oh, I mean, Lord of the Rings, I obviously. Would, but. I think there's a couple other. I would disagree. I think the cast of... Uh, and this is a much better movie than The Driftless Area, but The Driftless Area had a pretty great cast. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because here's the thing about this but cast. I, I don't necessarily mean... I don't necessarily mean, like, great cast. I just mean, like, these are all people you know from other stuff you you've seen a million times they're big name people ish <laughs> yeah ish. <laughs> i mean because here's the thing i mean right right off the bat let's start with chris o'donnell who i, I was just re-listening to our episode on the titan last night and today and we were talking about sam worthington and how hollywood tried real real hard to make him a movie star and it just didn't happen chris o'donnell is the original yeah. sam like that's a guy who <laughs> They pushed him. They wanted him so badly for a number for seven or eight years there to be like the new guy, and he just was not gonna. That was not gonna happen, man. It was not gonna happen because he's just not. He's not. He's, well, he's not, not great. He's not a terrible actor, but he's not a great actor. He's fine, but don't ask him to yeah. emote <laughs> because I noticed twice in this movie him rolling the single visine tear that they barely managed to cut out the stage hand dropping the visine in his eye and pulling their arm out of frame before the shot started just the single tear like there's no sadness in his eyes his eyes aren't like puffy or red like he doesn't look like a person who's been crying he just has this one single tear that's clearly been added you know and then you have robin tunney who's another one who like she's in a lot of stuff and i like her in so much stuff she's a cutie face but she was someone else who like she was never gonna be the lead of a movie, like, you know what I mean? Like, she was always going to be sort of a utility, you know, because yeah. she's, she's one of the four girls in The Craft. She's one of six or seven people in Empire Records. And she's the female lead in this. And that's, like, it, man. <laughs> you know, like, she, you know, I like her a lot. I like her a lot more than I like Chris O'Donnell. But, yeah, she that's another one that's, like, 
Oh, yeah. She, I mean, she tried. She came close. She probably, you know, almost was a movie star, but it was not, you know, not. Yeah. I mean, who else do we got in? We got Scott Glenn. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Scott Glenn is like a character actor, you know? Scott Glenn also is not like a movie star, per se. You've got Tamara Morrison. Right. Who is bigger now, probably, than he was, you know? He's a recognizable face now. Oh, yeah. When you go back and watch a vertical limit, but at the time, did anyone even notice? Probably not. <laughs> because he wasn't. Because 2000 was that. No, he wouldn't even have been Django Vet yet. Because that was 2002. No. So. And now, you know, but it's Boba Fett. And now he's Boba Fett. So that's, you know. Yeah. Good for him. Late in life. But, and I had. I had completely forgotten, and I had to look at IMDb to know that that was Ben Mendelsohn playing Malcolm, because he looks so different and oh, so shit. young. I didn't even good catch, because I was looking at him and going, I feel like that's oh, somebody yeah, that, I know, that. but that's not somebody I know. That's a super young Ben Mendelsohn. Wow. Yeah, like I... Okay, like I, I missed looked that at one. IMDb good call. before I started watching the movie, and I was like... I was like, oh, Ben Mendelsohn is in this? And then I, I, I saw, okay, his character's name is Malcolm. And then they called the guy Malcolm in the movie. And I was like, oh, that's Ben Mendelsohn? Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even catch that. That's wild. Who else? Well, Bill Paxton. The always great yeah, Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Who else have we got? We got Nicholas Lee, who played Crycheck on X-Files. Yeah. We've got... Oh, uh, what's it? Alexander Sedig. Isabella. Oh, yeah. Her, him, too. Who played. Uh, he Isabella was Dr. Bashir Sp- on Deep Space Nine. And Dorian yeah. Martell <laughs> on Game of Thrones, more recently. So, he, yeah, he's definitely mm-hmm. a familiar face. And, yeah, the other sort of. The only other woman in the movie, really, is uh, Scora, Isabella. Skorupko, I think it's pronounced. Skorupio. Skorupko, I think. And then she was. She had worked with. Yeah, she had worked with Martin Campbell before in Goldeneye. She was the Bond girl in that who didn't crush you with their thighs. (laughs) I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's that's really everybody. everybody. Yeah, I mean, but you talk about much like past episode, The Empty Man. You talk about a movie that comes hard, like goes hard to start with and then kind of never lives up to that again because <laughs> this opening scene of them yeah. hanging off them you know it's 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 robin tunney and christian donald their brother and sister peter and annie garrett they're there with their dad they're kind of guiding to these two amateurs who were sort of ahead of them up the mountain and the amateurs fall off and kind of drag everybody else with them and they're all there's five people hanging on the rope the rope's like <laughs> threatening to cut dad in half these two no-names fall to their deaths. And then we've got the dad basically orders Peter to cut the rope to, like, sacrifices himself to save them. And he's sure that she can, like, get another, what are they called? Uh, oh, cam. They called them. A cam. A rock climbing cam. It's like a cam. Yeah, cams. Yeah, like they're the anchor, you know. And save them, but he's not going to risk it. And so Chris O'Donnell, I mean, it's such a, it's a good heart because he, they're like screaming. He's, you know, he's screaming at him to like, 
do it. You're going to kill your sister, man. Is that what you want? You want to kill your sister? Just like, let me go cut it. And she's screaming at him, don't do it. Don't do it. I got this. I can save us. And it's getting closer and closer to Chris O'Donnell's blank face <laughs> as he's getting ready. You see him getting ready to cut the rope. And then it hard cuts to the bottom of the mountain and his dad's body just slamming into the ground. <laughs> like You don't actually see him cut the rope or see him fall. It's just, you just see him slam into the ground. So that's a pretty entertaining piece. Of, but it's a super tense like intense scene where you're like oh shit like this is where we're starting at which i think they had to do because they knew the next half hour is going to be table setting (laughs) before we get back to any sort of action you know but none of the other action scenes in the rest of the movie I, i i don't think live up to that one i think that's that one's like i don't know it's kind yeah. of, it's a double-edged sword to like <laughs> hit your high water mark in the first couple minutes because yeah yeah okay you've pulled me in but now you have to like maintain that and it never really reaches that again you know yeah yeah so we cut it we cut ahead three years later we're in the the pakistani himalayas there's a there's a straight and it's not even a subplot but it's just like a detail that like pakistan and india are in like a cold war kind of thing like just yeah but it doesn't really like add much Shirish. yeah they're like time to wake no, up time no, to wake up india it's... and they fire off their cannons at nothing just to like remind india that they're there or something you know but it never like yeah. we never see like there's never any sort of conflict we never see anything of india at all i guess they're there so that they have a source no, they... for the nitroglycerin but yeah, they they had to be able to get the nitro from somewhere. That's why they're there. Which and look, and I thought for the most part, I think this movie, especially for two thousand, is pretty cool on like a racial level because you have you have Kareem, who's a Muslim mm-hmm. and it treats him pretty respectfully, and you know, and he's a cool character. But at the same time, you also have these Pakistani army characters well and so is and tomorrow morrison's sort of helicopter pilot character is like you know a good cool character too but just the fact that the, the pakistani army has all this nitroglycerin and they are this bad at maintaining it and keeping care of it i don't know that's a little <laughs> because like they're just they just have leaking vials of nitroglycerin in this storage depot yeah <laughs> that are just un- it's unnoticed and like i don't know how because like in the scene where they're introducing the nitroglycerin they notice that there's a leak in one of the canisters how did they after that not like go through and make sure all of the canisters were sealed and not leaking so that it wasn't a problem you know an hour later in the movie when it becomes a big problem well how did you not have how do you how do you have a storage shed full of nitroglycerin canisters and you're not you don't have someone whose job it is to every four to five minutes go in there, 45 minutes, not four to five, 45 minutes go in and <laughs> make sure there isn't a leak because, yeah, old Skip is just standing with his boot in a puddle of leaking nitroglycerin that Tamara Morrison has to, like, take his boot off for him and throw it out in the snow and it's this huge explosion. Like, I don't know. But I don't know about all that. But, I mean, it feels oh, yeah, like it's and, Looney Tunes the, rules the for nitroglycerin. <laughs> Yeah, they kind of jump all over the place because, like, at one point they're like, oh, don't even, like, really shake them or anything like that. 
but they're storing the nitroglycerin in a shed like 30 feet away from where they're setting off these giant cannons. <laughs> yeah, which are sure to shake for no, just, and... you know, for funsies. Well, and it's also, this storage shed has a skylight, which leads to real problems. And you just, that just now happened for the first time ever? You didn't <laughs> discover at no point in the past has the sun done this? So, maybe they're right. Maybe this movie is really stupid. <laughs> I don't know. The nitroglycerin <laughs> stuff is pretty stupid, but the rest of it seems okay to me. I don't know. But, so, yeah, it's three years later. Peter has become a photographer for National Geographic. He's out. He's in the Himalayas taking pictures of snow leopards and stuff who get scared away by the Pakistani army firing these big cannons off. And his, I guess, porter, just like his, like, I don't know, assistant or helper or whatever, the lo his local sort of guide or whatever it is, trips and gets his leg wedged between these two rocks and has to be like airlifted out so chris o'donnell's thing is like oh yeah, we never even no he's not a character at all <laughs> we never even learned his name so. no <laughs> but he so he's gonna go to like well, where's the closest place i can go so tamara morrison is gonna fly him to like oh there's some I, there's probably somebody who always has base camp set up at k2 because someone's always trying to climb it but Right now, it's Elliot Vaughn, who's played by Bill Paxton, who's who's a real Richard Branson type. It feels like like he's about to he's starting an airline, <laughs> and he's got he brought like forty people with him, and they're gonna climb K two. And when he gets to the top, the first the inaugural flight of his airline is gonna fly over, and they're gonna wave at it. And it's a big publicity stunt thing. So Tamara Morrison is gonna fly. He has a name. It's Major Razul. Razul. Who's all? Um, he's going to fly Chris O'Donnell over there so he can find a new sort of helper or whatever and resupply, all that stuff. But we also learn, yeah, like I said, there's like 30 minutes of just backstory and tables. Here's all the characters. Let's meet them all before we set off on the adventure. And that, it, this is where the movie drags a bit, you know. But I, that's, I suppose it's necessary too. But we also learned that Elliot Vaughn four years ago tried to climb k2 a storm came in and everyone was with him well they got stranded up there and he was kind of the only survivor or he is it him or montgomery wick that they say dragged three men out with it well I thought it was Vaughn. later was on they do at this point he just says you know yeah at this point the uh the pilot just tells him you know he went up Three years ago, they got stranded, and he walked out on his own. Or he was the only one that walked out. But he doesn't, like, go into detail into how it happened. And later on, we learned that, yeah, it was Scott Glenn's character, Montgomery Wick, who's, like, this badass mountain man who went up and saved him, but only f was able to find him and bring him back. Yeah, and we meet Montgomery Wick, who is Scott Glenn's character. He's missing all the toes on one foot because <laughs> he's from frostbite and stuff and he's like a hermit buddhist guy who just lives kind of off on his own and we can jump around a bit but we learn that his wife he lost his wife was lost on k2 somewhere and her body was never found so that's sort of why he still hangs around here like he still goes up there by himself just looking for her body which by pure coincidence they will stumble across later um <laughs> lucky lucky break Oh, they're right. This movie is pretty stupid. <laughs> it's fun, though. I don't care. 
I've seen stupider movies that are a lot less fun than this one. So, yeah. As Peter is leaving his tent to go to the base camp, we see. <laughs> see, when I say, when I wrote it down, it didn't seem stupid, but when I say these things out loud, they sound really stupid because <laughs> we see an issue of Sports Illustrated with his sister on the cover uh, because she's the first or the fastest female ascent of not K2, but some other important, you know, big mountain. I don't know that Sports Illustrated has ever, ever, ever uh, featured mountain climbers <laughs> on their cover. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I, I'm I, wrong. That was the exact thought I had. I was like, they might, they might have done like a story about it, but not sure. a cover story. It'd no. be like page forty-two, yeah, buried somewhere in there. So that's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and he also learned he learns the Pakistani army general guy who was who was the uh, he's from uh, Temple of Doom. He was the uh, yes, yeah, the Indian guy with glasses and the 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 host that. Or whatever it was, wherever it was. I, mean, quite, I was quite a bit older, obviously, but but he learns from him that like the Pakistani army is very undersupplied because all their supplies get bought up by rich Americans who are just trying to climb this mountain. So it's you know, it's saying a little something about not uh, colonizers per se, but you know, rich white folks. Causing problems by sticking their nose and feet where they maybe don't belong. So, for just the sheer and really, all of the problems in this movie are caused by a rich white person. So, which, I mean, yeah. Every every time in my in my notes, every time I write something about something Bill Paxton does, I wound up ending the sentence with "like a millionaire." <laughs> because that's that's just how he does everything like he just shows up on a helicopter like a millionaire and shrugs off people's concerns like a millionaire and you know throws a party and like a millionaire yeah (laughs) they at least try for a while to put up the facade that like maybe he's not so bad before his sort of the mask falls off and we see that he's just an evil shit but (laughs) yeah like at the party when scott glenn comes forward and is like like, hey, who's in like who's in charge of this? What are you gonna do? Who makes life or death decisions? And he has, you know, a decent speech where he's like, Hey, that's you know, I'm concerned with that too, and I'm worried about the weather too. Like, I'm not stupid, and I got the best climber I know. It's this guy, it's Nicholas Lee, it's Tom McLaren's his name. You know. So he seems like a reasonable person at first. <laughs> but not not for too long, yeah. I guess. But of course, it just so happens Annie, played by Robin Tunney, Peter's sister is well it's it's kind of a twofold thing like she's part of Elliot's crew of climbers but she's also there cuz she's like the mountain the like mountain climbing reporter for some network <laughs> or something yeah which I'm not sure what that was about but so she has like a whole camera crew and stuff i guess she's there to climb with him but also in the capacity of like reporting on like oh this famous rich guy is going to climb k2 and he's gonna you know cover this publicity stunt thing so that's what she's here for it's sort of hinted maybe that there's some sort of romantic something but not really between her and vaughn like chris o'donnell's real concerned about it and he's like what's up with you and that guy and she's like 
nothing. I, don't know, I think <laughs> I would was, never let. It was kind of one of those like just assumed things that people were like starting rumors about because that's what people do kind of like later on there's the whole thing with uh with monique's character how she's on the one climbing team and everybody assumes that she's just you know sleeping with the head guy you know and but then it turns out she is (laughs) so i don't know what that's trying to say (laughs) i didn't get that i didn't get that (laughs) in the scene when he fixes her finger We'll get to it. We'll get to it. See, I thought he just I thought he just said that to distract her and pissed her off, but No, but then she says for two years. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll get to okay. it. I, I I missed that part, so. <laughs> um, yeah, and also and amongst the table setting we also meet, yeah, Monique, who is yeah, Isabella Skorupko, minus the Russian accent that she had in, in Goldeneye. And she's yeah, she's kind of the other than Annie, the only lady around. Uh, she is constantly being sexually harassed by one of the, <laughs> uh, what's it? well, the, it's the Bunch Brothers or the Bench Brothers? The Aussie Brothers. Yeah. Well, but their last names, <laughs> it's Bunch, I think. Yeah, two Australians, uh, one yeah, is Ben Mendelsohn, so. is Malcolm, and the other is Cyril. And he's constantly just saying, yeah, like, suggestive, sexist oh, yeah, shit just... to her. So immediately, yeah. like, well, this guy's innuendo. <laughs> this guy's an asshole. Calling her Sheila. And... Well, that's like an Australian thing, whatever. But he's, but something about like, oh, it's the second best thing you could do with your mouth, or <laughs> yeah, shit like that. So, which gets him yeah. rightfully the, the way punched in the face later. Sheila <laughs> but... is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the rest of the characters that we meet, and then. Yeah, there is like a Pakistani team who's going with Vaughn as well. Or not a team, but a couple of them who are like the locals. One of whom is the cousin of Kareem, who's played by Alexander Siddig. So we've met all the characters. Vaughn, yeah, they, they've done they've done their survey and math, figured out the math, and they have like an 80% chance of good weather on these such, a, such and such a days. So we're... We put, this is this is our window. This is our shot. We're going for it. Uh, he's not going to be deterred. Montgomery Wick, Scott Glenn's character, is trying to tell them like you can't predict. Like, well, I don't care what your weather models say. Like, you can't predict the weather up there. Like, it's the mountain. It's you versus the mountain. You know, it's a it's literally a force of nature, and um, he's ignored. And then he is dry shaving with a straight razor. No, thank you. Because he has a big, bushy, like, hermit beard. Yeah, he's got a big hermit mountain man beard. And when it's, like, time to go for action, yeah, no shaving cream, nothing. Just a straight razor just just scraping the fucking beard off. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I guess, okay, he's a tough guy. I get it. But Jesus. It made me think of, it made me think of, what was it? I want to say Man of Steel. One of the Superman movies where he just, like, puts on shaving cream and just like takes his fingernails and shaves like that. <laughs> it just made me think of that. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't remember that. Hmm. I can't remember Could what be. it was. I'm maybe always it, picture, I'm picturing a, Superman shaving with movie, his but... heat vision in the mirror. But maybe that's just a comic book thing. Uh, anyway. Uh, I, I that's neither that here nor there. Lois and Clark, which... Okay, see. That could <laughs> Annie and Peter reunited. They haven't, seems like they haven't really seen much of each other since uh, dad died. In fact, Peter didn't even come to the funeral or something. 
I suppose he's feeling guilty, but they have a long overdue uh, sort of heart-to-heart talk about dad where, you know, oh, you know, Annie, he'd be proud of you. That's cool. Peter, where have you been? (laughs) I've been, you know. Peter has not climbed since. It's a thing he used to love. They did it as a family, but since his dad forcing him to sacrifice him uh, to save his children, he has not climbed since. So he... Yeah, so he's a bit out of practice, which makes sense for the rest of the movie because he's kind of a clumsy... <laughs> he needs help from people throughout the rest of the movie. <laughs> which, so that makes sense. Yeah, and here we get the single visine tier <laughs> where it's just... Yeah, it's Chris O'Donnell not really emoting, but just this one tear rolling down his face. Yeah, and we we also learn here that that Wick knew their dad. Yeah, they were in the the service together, whatever that means. So they were in the military together and used to climb together and they haven't met this guy before, but they, by reputation, everybody kind of knows who he is. And so it's time to go. They've got their window. They start their climb. Tom twice wants to turn back. (laughs) You could have taken one of these. I think the first one you could have taken out. The first of the the Tom wants to turn back and Vaughn shuts them down. Because the first time, base camp sort of radios, and they're like, hey, our odds maybe aren't as good as we thought. Maybe it's only like 70% or something. And like, and Tom's like, oh, well, fuck it, then we're going back. And Vaughn's like, hey, that's still a pretty good, that's still a pretty good number. Like, we're, we're fine. I'm paying you to take me up. Like, you don't want it to be your reputation that, like, you didn't take me up there, right? <laughs> Which is... <laughs> but then, like, three minutes later, we have the exact same conversation again because now base camp is calling like no for real a storm is coming <laughs> like we were way off and it's, it's like barreling towards you right now and it's bad news and tom's like oh well then we're for, like no we're going back for sure now and elliot talks him out of it again so i feel like that first one we probably didn't need yeah certainly not so close together but yeah the storm hits it's bad news I mean, it's bad news anyway, but at that altitude, you're already fighting against... Because a big thing in this movie is pulmonary edema, where because of the altitude and the air being thin and the cold, the combination of, like, just your lungs start just filling up with blood. Like, and you choke on your own, you know, you can't breathe and stuff. Yeah, and it has something to do with how much water you ingest. If you if you don't have any water to drink, then it, it gets way worse and... Yeah, and Which, they've got these shots of they call it. I mean, dex. they, they I'm talk a lot about dexedrine. Is that? I don't know. I don't know much about. I don't know. They <laughs> only, as far as I remember, they only ever call it dex. So yeah, but they yeah, they have shots of that that sort of staves off the edema a bit. It's not gonna you know it's not a permanent solution by any means. But yeah, the storm hits, takes the two uh, Indian guide guys, and just. <laughs> just throws them off the like throws them off the mountain this big wind mm-hmm. so they're gone they're running from the and Annie falls in a crevasse and kind of takes Vaughn and Tom with her well they come to like check on her and well, like, she, she falls in tosses them down yeah an avalanche they have to they have to like jump in there after her to avoid this avalanche which is what takes out yeah takes out the two uh, local guys and it also closes the crevasse 
behind them. So now they're like, there's no way out of this kind of a cave that they're in. I don't know. It's pretty, it's not like 127 hours. Like, they're not like totally cramped and like, they got some room to move around in this <laughs> sort of cave-like yeah. crevice. But And radio communication is out either because they're sort of under so much snow and ice or just because of the weather, whatever it is. So they have pretty intermittent uh, communication back to base camp, but... Yeah, and they they can't get any, like, verbal communication through, so Chris O'Donnell figures that you can figures out you can use the, the mic button just tapping it to do Morse code. Yeah, and well, so Annie, Annie does it, because they're sitting, they're sitting at base camp like, oh, oh no, how yeah, are we going to talk to them? And then he hears the clicking that Annie is doing and is like, oh, shit, that's Morse code. That's right. That's right. That was her. <laughs> and we get a shot of... And Tom, in the fall, Tom... McLaren Nicholas Lee's character was hurt, so he's like just laid out in this cave, so he's got it worse than anybody. But yeah, when she's doing the like she grabs the radio and she starts doing the clicking, <laughs> to, Tom McLaren is like, Oh my god, Morse code. As if it's <laughs> <laughs> like this new thing that he's just like, Well yeah, no shit. Isn't that <laughs> like Morse code? Isn't that like the whole point of Morse code? I mean, he seems very taken by it but yeah so now peter of course is like all right i gotta put a team together we're going up there and we're saving my sister and he's calling for volunteers and most everybody's like no we're good (laughs) we're not you know (laughs) we're not sending six people to die to save three people like the math on that just does not work out the needs of the many outweigh the (laughs) needs of the one or the few yeah, and, and they figure out that because of the whole edema thing, they've got they've only got like thirty six hours to pull it off before they they die anyway. Yeah. So most of the people are just like, yeah, it's it's never gonna happen. You you can't do it. But Skip is gonna go because he's like the guy in charge and he's the best climber or whatever. Kareem volunteers because well, because when they're doing the Morse code, they get the message that like, okay, there's three people together trapped there together. It's Vaughn and Annie. And Tom, they survived. And so Kareem's thing is like, okay, well, there's the two locals who are like friends of mine. One of them is my cousin. If those three survived, maybe they survived too. So I'm going. Like, they're like, maybe not his responsibility, but they're, you know, they're his people. So Kareem volunteers, Malcolm and Cyril, the Australian, the Bunch Brothers, they volunteer pretty angrily like they're looking at everyone all the, everyone else and they're like what's wrong with you people why won't you go like you just came here to just sit around at the bait at base camp like let's go yeah and they've got they've got a lot of fun little smart remarks like they're talking about how they're gonna have three teams of two one canister of nitro for each and one of them's like oh won't everyone want a bomb <laughs> yeah and at one point malcolm I think it's Peter or somebody says something and Cyril says, uh, out of 10 million sperm, you were the fastest one, <laughs> which is a pretty good <laughs> insult. Yeah. There, there weren't a lot of things that stuck with me from this movie, but I've always remembered that line. I've always thought that was a very, very clever insult. <laughs> pretty good one. And Monique volunteers. Cause she, well, first off Vaughn's kind of right hand man. Who's another, or he's like in charge of Vaughn's whatever, um, is like, look, anybody who wants to go, I can't, I'm too old, I can't go. But anybody who wants to like go rescue my boss, there's half a million dollars in there for you. 
And Monique signs up based on that because her whole thing is like, I'm I'm done with this. I've been doing this for three or four years now, sitting around here getting harassed by fucking Cyril. <laughs> like, you know, I have I have I had dreams and things I wanted to do that were not this. So this money will get me out of here. So that's so she signs up, and then yeah, they realize they need nitroglycerin to blow that crevice open. Where are they? I don't know. I guess there's more and more code we didn't see because I don't know how they even got that information. But if they're going to get into this crevice where the three of them are, they're going to have to blow it open. So they go to get this nitro from the Pakistanis. And yeah, here we have the scene where <laughs> there's just a leak. There's just a puddle of nitroglycerin on the floor that Skip has stepped in. And they have to carefully take his boot off and throw it across the field so it doesn't blow. And he he, he has a thousand... He sits down on the steps to this trailer with <laughs> just like a... That I I was just this close to dying. Look on his face of like the thousand yard stare of like wow, <laughs> my day just changed. <laughs> that moment had one of the the bits of like special effects that I went wow this was in two thousand because he like he throws the boot and you see it hit the ground and then there's a very clear cut to the explosion like it's not the same shot at all and it's very clear that it's not. And I'm like, that's not even special effects. That's just editing. Like, how did you... I, uh, it was bad. No, and it, yeah, and it's a huge explosion. As if, like, a car blew up from just some nitroglycerin <laughs> on this guy's boot that he then threw into a snow a snowdrift. Like, so, I, yeah, I don't know about real nitroglycerin, but <laughs> it does seem like Looney Tune rules. But then they go to... Peter is like... Or maybe it's Skip, but one of the two of them, Peter and Skip go and they're like, well, we need Montgomery Wick. He's, he, nobody knows this mountain better than him. He's the best guy. They go to him and he basically tells them to fuck off. He's like, no, man, like, this is stupid. You can't send six people up to save three. It's a bad idea. You're all going to die up there and I'm not going to do it until he finds out that one of the people trapped is Vaughn and that there's a, this $500,000 reward for people who go to help out and at first, it maybe seems like that's what swayed him is the money, but it's really more that, oh, Vaughn's up there? Okay, I guess I'll go. And you're not, we're not sure to start with why that is. We'll find out. But yeah, but he comes in, he's like, well, if I'm going, I'm the leader then. You listen to me. You do what I say when I say it. And the smart thing to do is to send, to pair up a good climber with a not so good climber. So like pair up the best climber with the worst climber. So, Peter, you're with me because <laughs> I'm the best and you're the worst. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but I mean, but yeah, he's been out of practice for, he hasn't climbed in three years or whatever. So, yeah, he probably is, you know. Yeah. And then Cyril yeah, he, and Mal, the brothers, are like, well, sense. obviously we're going together. And he's like, no, you're not. You're going with Kareem <laughs> and Cyril's going with Monique because she's, he's a better climber than her, which makes Cyril very happy. <laughs> And he says more sexist <laughs> shit to her, and she socks him in the jaw and hurts her hand. But he had it coming. He, and he sends Skip back down to base camp. He's like, look, I've got this. I need somebody I can trust. Yeah, he takes Skip's place. Down to base camp running things. It's just Vaughn's people down there right now, and I don't trust them. So he yeah, he replaces Skip. And it's here that we learn that, yeah, that Wick lost his wife, wife up there, but he saved... We did, well, we just hear that he saved three people, but never found his wife. Right. I, guess that, I don't know if they say here that Vaughn was one of those people or not, but 
I guess you could surmise by the timeline. Yeah, I can't remember. It's probably the same event they're talking about, but they don't say it explicitly yet. So Tamura Morrison takes them up in a helicopter. It's kind of an intense scene of like, this is as close as I can get to the cliff in these winds. So you're going to have to jump off the helicopter. And it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole sort of, not even an action scene, but like a suspense scene. And, and Monique almost gets, like the propeller is coming and she's like up against the cliff and it cut, cuts a, cuts the sleeve on her jacket. And that's how close yeah. it gets. Peter's dangling off, and Wick has to save him and throw him over there, and then, but they all they all wind up getting off safe. But now, kind of the countdown just begins to like, okay, now they're going to start dying off one by one, right? <laughs> or sometimes two at a time, because <laughs> I mean, obviously that's you know that's the formula for these things. It's not going to be too much of a surprise. Back in the crevasse, Vaughn is trying to convince Annie that like. Look, Tom's a lost cause. He's injured. They're not even going to be able to carry him out of here because he can't, like, climb or walk on his own. So let's save the decks for for us so that we don't get edema because he's, you know, he's forgetting he's a lost cause. And he's trying to couch it maybe not in a nicer way than that, you know, talking about, you know, but she's not having it. She's like, well, then you, like, <laughs> you're signing him up to die. You go tell him that. And Vaughn, to his credit, Vaughn's like, okay, I will. And walks over and is trying to convince Tom. And you're kind of expecting Tom to be like, yeah, no, I get it. You guys should take the decks and I'll just die. But Tom's like, no, fuck you, dude. Like, I want to live. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And so it creates this rift of sort of Annie and Tom against Vaughn. And anytime he's sort of off by his own, he's giving them the stink eye. Like, it's the Bill Paxton stink eye. He's just, like, looking at them like, ooh, <laughs> I'll get you. He's just waiting for his opportunity. I mean, it's actually, it's maybe a little surprising he doesn't just outright kill them. But maybe he's thinking, like, oh, you know, if rescue does come, I can't be standing here with two corpses. <laughs> like, I need to at least give this a chance. Yeah. But there's an interesting conversation between Mal, the Australian brother and kareem because kareem is doing his like prayer to mecca and kareem is i thought for sure or maybe there wasn't i'm forgetting i thought for sure there would be some kind of shitty joke about like oh you're a muslim you're used to carrying bombs around on you right you know but then i realized this is like pre-9-11 <laughs> so maybe like a year later that joke might have found yeah. it, I don't know. but i don't think the movie made that why, why did i even think of that does the movie make that joke and i forgot did I hear it the first time I watched it and then didn't when I took my notes? No. Okay. All right. Good. Good, good, good. Good for this movie. Like no, I said, they treat Kareem with a bit of respect. Because Miles like, you know, what you're praying to Allah. What does Allah say? Are we going to make it or what? And Kareem's like, Allah says, you know, everybody dies. It's what you do while you're alive that counts. And they have this conversation about, you know, where Miles like, look, <laughs> the Catholics say if I don't believe in the Pope, I'm going to hell. The Jews say if I, or Christians say if I don't believe in Jesus, I'm going to hell. Jews say, if I do believe in Jesus, I'm going to hell. If I don't believe in Allah, I'm going to hell. So, like, I'm like I'm screwed no matter what I do. <laughs> like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. So, But they kind of, you know, kind of, they weren't really friends before, but they're kind of bonding over, over that and sort of gaining respect for each other. Back in the crevasse, Annie is getting, she's starting to show the signs of pulmonary edema. She's coughing up blood a little bit. There's a, there's a pack that's sort of, embedded in the wall from where the thing collapsed like buried in snow that they can sort of see that's going to have more supplies in it for them so they have to 
figure out how to get to that. She has to cross like a precarious thing that falls apart as she's walking across it to get this pack. So they're even trying to find ways to like do action sequences for the <laughs> the three people that are just sitting in a crack in the mountain. <laughs> they're trying. But that backpack has more decks in it. So she goes and gives a shot. She went to herself, went to Tom. And yeah, there's Bill Paxton just giving them like, whoa, that's mine. <laughs> like, why are you wasting that? We found more. But you found more, man. You're fine. So Monique and Sarah, because they're taking the wind. They broke up into three teams because they're each going to take a different route. There's three different routes up to the top. They're supposedly about the same length of time it takes to do it. Uh, Monique and Cyril are taking their path, and Cyril trips and falls and slides, 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 all the way, catches himself at the last second with his eyes axe, and he's hanging off a cliff. Monique has to inch her away, and this, and again, this is a guy that she doesn't really even <laughs> like, she kind of, you know, but is inching her way forward and getting to to try and save him. It's a cool... Because this wasn't like bad CGI or green screen. It's like, I guess, just the way they built the set or whatever. She's standing on the ice, or the, like the ice and snow that he's dangling off of when she steps out onto it. It like cracks off. And it's a practical whatever, you know, they built. And so she has to like catch his axe with the rope mm -hmm. at the last second. And then his. Well, she falls off too. And she's dangling. So they're both kind of hanging. And the nitroglycerin falls out of his backpack and is like falling 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 down the mountain so he scrambles up and gets up there the nitro goes off and this wall of fire comes shooting up the mountain so high like again i don't know the properties of this nitroglycerin but it's wild how much fire and explosion <laughs> comes from this thing almost takes her out but she's clinging on and he Cyril drops a rope down to her, but not, like, directly to her. It's, like, ten feet away, like he missed her or something. And then turns around just in time to see the avalanche that that... Well, everybody kind of feels the effects of when that when that nitro blows up. The cross is shaken, and they're, you know, they feel it. Everybody else is like, well, they're hearing the explosion. But this avalanche comes barreling down and takes, just flings Cyril off this mountain. So Monique is on her own. She has to do she has to do some acrobatics to get over to the rope that was dangling, climbs up it. She makes her way over, so since she's on her own now, she makes her way over to where Peter and whatever path Peter and Montgomery Wick are on. Yeah, and she takes her glove off and she's got this grody fucking like her one finger is bent that the first knuckle is bent like straight up. It's a pretty good looking right? Because as they're pulling the glo glove off, you're like, ooh, here it comes. How bad is this going to be? And then it's pretty bad. But yeah, Peter, you know, is like trying to talk to her. You know, she's like, you have to reset it. You know, you have to bend it back into place, pop it back into place. And he's trying to like talk her through it. And she's like, look, I used to be a nurse. Like, just don't bullshit me. Just fucking do it. And that's when he's like, how long have you been sleeping with Skip? And she's like, two years. And then that's when he he snaps her finger back into place like while she's distracted with her anger at that because they were talking about how like yeah oh, i just want to get out okay, of here see, at first i thought she said the first time i watched it i got i thought she was saying I, that she was sleeping with cyril which makes the dynamic of him constantly like sexually harassing her a little different if they're actually sleeping <laughs> together like secretly 
that kind of lends a different thing. But on second watch, when I was taking my notes, it's Skip that she says she's been sleeping with for two years. So Cyril's just an asshole. <laughs> oh, see, I I must have misheard that because when he when he says, you know, how long you've been sleeping with him, I thought she yelled something like like you son of a bitch or something like that, and that's when he popped it back into place. So he was just like distracting her. So she wouldn't see it coming, you know. He was doing that. But I guess I didn't I didn't catch but she I does. didn't catch that she said two years. I thought she's I thought she just like cussed him out or something. Because the way she yells it's, it, it's both. She said yeah, she, she says, says like you son of a for bitch. For two years, you son of a bitch, or something like that. So he was distracting oh, okay. her, but also like I, I don't know if that. he was expecting that answer. I think maybe he was just saying it to make her mad and distract her and then oh shit. <laughs> I guess right, you know. Because <laughs> she admits to it. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. But it, but it doesn't really come. It didn't really. We certainly didn't see that. We didn't see any sort of like her and Skip obvi- aren't in like a serious relationship. I guess they just like were bored at base camp. We're gonna fuck around once in a while, you know. Yeah. Because the set, all of the romantic tension is between her and Peter. You know, they're always their faces are always real close together. Like when they make kiss, they might not. So. <clears throat> And then, yeah, back at, oh boy, back at, back at the Pakistani nitroglycerin shed, <laughs> which has a skylight, sun, sunlight's coming in, and the general or whatever he is, the commander, is standing there sipping tea and just gets flung across the room because this shed full of nitroglycerin just exploded. But here's the thing, if one canister, they're right, this movie's stupid. If one canister fell off the mountain and created a half-mile-tall <laughs> wall of fire, then this shed full of nitroglycerin canisters exploding should have taken the top of this mountain off, not just blown this guy across the room, yeah. and he's alive yeah. and fine. That thing is 15 feet away. He should have been vaporized. So, <laughs> But yeah, so they find out that, like, oh, shit, apparently we just learned. <laughs> like, did you just get this nice nitroglycerin <laughs> yesterday? How did you not know this yet? <laughs> but so they they get on the horn with, uh, or Tamara Morrison gets on the horn with them like, hey, bad news, the nitroglycerin is super unstable in the sunlight. You've got to get it in the shade because you're just out walking in the snow, you know. And so they get the message to Peter Montgomery about it. He, they sort of dash. It's kind of, it's not even really an action scene because it it's just them running over. Quick, get over to the, but it's so short. Like, we're just get over in the shade and throw snow on it to like yeah. keep it cool or whatever. And they're like, oh shit, we have to tell Kareem and Mal. Mal, who has, who has learned his brother was wiped out by an avalanche and is sad about it for a minute, but there's work to do, so him and Kareem carry on. And he's trying to, I guess they have set times that they can use their radios or something, because it's like, it's not their radio time. So he, get, he climbs up the ridge or whatever so that they can see him and he's waving at him like, turn on your radio, turn on your radio. And they can hear just enough to get the gist of like, get it out of the sun, get it in the shade. And they do, and then they sit down and they're having a good laugh about it. <laughs> and then there's a trail of nitroglycerin that's coming out of this leaky canister that they don't notice. It's the one thing you should be paying attention to, but they don't notice. And the sun hits it and just, <laughs> the, the I mean, it's a pretty good looking, I don't know about good looking, but it's pretty cool because there's Mal and Kareem are sitting there laughing about the close call. And then they just get, you see them get just, evaporated like just turn they just turn into like red mist as this thing blows up so goodbye <laughs> them like 
but it's just a, such a sudden like I don't know I, I liked it because they're whew we made it and then you didn't make it <laughs> and it like cuts their laugh off when it, it's just I don't know it's an interesting way to do it Monique is either exploring or falls into thing or something but she finds in this off the beaten path sort of again like a crevice or whatever finds Montgomery Wick's wife her body she's like embedded in a wall she's totally frozen well, and preserved yeah when their when their nitro goes off it like creates a like a tremor and peter falls off of where he's climbing and the snow kind of collapses and uncovers where she was buried which but again that's pretty lucky <laughs> like you were just standing in the perfect <laughs> like exactly the right spot this man's been up here looking for how long i guess he didn't dig there but anyway <laughs> yeah and i'm sorry i I don't know everything. I'm not a doctor. But even being packed in snow, she was really well preserved. Like, that was just an actress that they threw some white paint on and put some snow in her hair. And I didn't believe for a second that she'd been up there for, what was it, four years? Yeah. I think it was a snow or no I think it was a dummy. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like a dummy. But either way, I don't know. I think if oh. you if you were frozen solid, fairly quickly i don't know i think it would it might preserve you fairly well you know if you're nah. not exposed to the elements of wind or sun and then snow, there's no animals to pick at you or anything so i don't know if you were completely frozen yeah, solid maybe. it might i don't know either way and so <laughs> montgomery comes and sort of takes the wedding ring off her and he's looking for something else and peter's like hey you're looking for this and he's got an empty thing of those dex shots and that's where here's where it comes out that Wick's wife was Vaughn's guide three years ago or whatever four years ago the last time Vaughn went up and people died <laughs> and Wick is like well because when Vaughn came back he was like oh we ran out of or the decks was lost in the avalanche or whatever and that's why everybody but me died but Wick's like no she always had it on her and it wouldn't have gotten it wasn't just like in the supplies to get swept away she would have had it on her person and that's what this is and it's empty which we which tells them that vaughn used it all for himself and let everyone else die and wick the reason wick has come is because he wants revenge and he's going to kill vaughn when they find him and chris o'donnell so far out of his depth you know is like well i can't let you do that <laughs> and scott glenn's like look man i like even back at base camp <laughs> there's no way you're gonna stop me from doing shit up here and here's where he gets to drop the title line he's like you're at the vertical limit which i guess that's the term for like you're at a height where you're just you're you're dying your body is dying and it's just a matter of time before you get pulmonary edema you know and he's like like you're already there like, you're not dying, you're just, like, the countdown has begun to you being dead. So if you think you can stop me, you're welcome to give it a shot. <laughs> just walks away, and Chris O'Donnell's like, well, he's got me there. I can't, like, what am I going to do? Scott Glenn will chew me up and <laughs> fold me like laundry. Like, it's not going to happen. So they get some radio contact going somehow. I guess because Peter's much closer now than when they were at base camp. Peter and Annie have a conversation over the radio where Annie begs Peter not to come like she's basically asking him, kind of asking him to do what their father asked him to do 
which she was very angry about, <laughs> but now she's the one asking. You know, she's saying like, look, don't just like don't sacrifice. It's not worth it. I'm already. I have a demon already. You're not gonna get here in time. We will be dead by the time you get here. Don't risk your life. Go back. Which of course he ignores. And Monique hears that because she was like listening in on the radio conversation, which doesn't really doesn't really come into play one way or the other. I guess. I don't know, I don't know what that was even for, but. So here's where Vaughn, I mean, we've, we've already seen that Vaughn is, you know, pretty selfish, and but he, you could maybe justify his thinking as far as, you know, the needs of the many or whatever. But here he's just, here's his heel turn for real, because Annie's passed out sleeping and like coughing in her sleep. So is Tom. And he takes the last deck shot for himself and then fills the syringe up with air and goes over to Tom and Tom looks up and he's like, are you going to kill me now? And he just says, yes. <laughs> no bullshit. Like, and stabs him in the neck with this syringe full of air and kills him with a, a air bubble like that. Uh, and then he starts digging. He's trying to dig. There's some kind of, not an opening, but there's something. He's trying to dig his way out of this crevasse through like a side thing or something that is sort of opened up. And Annie wakes up, sees Tom dead sort of attacks him they have a little bit of a scuffle but it's not much because in the scuffle this thing sort of opens up more and they can see sunlight and maybe they're too weak to climb up it but their thought is and this is kind of my favorite part of the movie because it's i don't know it's just visually it's cool and it's a cool idea he goes over we're not 100 percent sure what he's doing at first but they get like a plastic bag and some yeah. flares and a stick and some rope and you're like, what are they doing? Are they going to, like, climb out of here? What's this bag for? And he goes over to Tom and pulls out a knife. We don't see what he does, but the next thing we see is this plastic bag full of blood. Like, he drained Tom's blood into this bag before it could freeze. And they're putting the bag up with a flare tied to it, up with this stick and this rope, up to where the sunlight is, trying to get it up to the surface where it can be seen. And then they light off this... How do they remotely let it light off the flare? I suppose with a rope, a different rope, or I don't know. But so they get this bag full of blood up above the surface and set this flare off, and it explodes and makes this big red splotch of blood on this. I mean, and look, it's way more blood than was possibly in that bag. <laughs> it's more blood than was in Tom's body. <laughs> like, it's so much blood. But it looks pretty cool. It explodes out, so there's this big red circle of blood at the top of the crevasse so that when Monique and well Wick has kind of gone off on his own once he like admitted he's going to kill Vaughn he's kind of so it's just Monique and Peter at this point well because they when they went to bed and then Peter had that conversation with her then they show Wick wake up and he goes and looks in their tents and they're already gone they they got up before him and took oh, off on right. their own. Yeah, they left without to him to get because... like an early start. And he kind of gives like a like a appreciative nod, like okay, <laughs> good for you. All right, good job. You know, <laughs> well, because if because if we take him with, he's gonna try to kill Vaughn. You know, so let's just go without him. Yeah, even though you need him because he's <laughs> your best chance for. But Monique and Peter come to like there's a place they have to jump across, and so we get sort of. Another, I mean, again, it's not really an action scene because it's so short, but it's it was a big trailer moment. I know that of him just him hauling yeah. ass as fast as he can with these two ice axes and jumping across like it's some Tomb Raider shit, man. Like I'm getting to the other thing and digging it, <laughs> so he leaps across and barely digs 
ice axes in to catch himself. And, and then how does Monique get across that? I'm guessing that him getting across, he had a rope tied to him that she could like shimmy, shimmy across. Yeah, probably. But so they come across, they see the big red blood splotch. So they know that, oh, there's the cross that's where they are. They run over there, get the nitro ready, blow, blow this thing open so that they can actually like get in and out of there. They're trying to pull Annie up and it winds up pulling Peter in. Well, first off, the crater that this, again, with the nitro, because they're on like flat level ground of snow where this red splotch is. And he puts the nitro thing in and then when after it explodes, they have to climb down into like a legit like crater that they have blown in this mountain. Like it would have killed Annie and Vaughn. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it would have caved the whole thing. Like it's nuts. But, but they're trying to pull Annie out. Her leg gets stuck on a rock. And Vaughn is... Well, because when does uh, Wick show back up? Because there's Wick to the rescue. Oh, it's Annie. Uh, Monique and Peter are trying to pull Annie up. And they're... Peter is like sliding in. And the axe that's holding it is... Or the crampon or whatever that's holding the rope is starting to come out and wick appears and stomps on it puts it back down in saves the day saves you know and yeah yeah and then peter's just laying there like too weak to even move and what wick just like walks right past him and rappels down into the cave to seek his revenge yeah and they get annie out well no because it winds up being they're still working on getting Annie out. Peter has, I guess, fallen in and is hanging off of... <laughs> I don't remember the exact chain of events, but what winds up happening is he Wick yeah, grabs well, Vaughn, and when Vaughn... This is great. When Vaughn sees Wick come down in there, he picks up, like, an ice axe, like, okay, here we go. I knew this was coming. The day is coming. And he just, like... <laughs> but he can't, like, stand up even, so he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, just falls over. So he didn't really he's put up no fight at all he thought he was gonna but it didn't work out and wick grabs him and is like holding him over this ledge he's gonna drop him into the bowels of the earth and then thinks better of it whether and peter really didn't say much to him to talk him out of it he's just decided for whatever reason eye for an eye makes the whole world blind or something and decides not to kill vaughn after yeah. all so it's annie peter then wick and then vaughn are all tied on the same rope and the thing is collapsing, and we're back at the same situation we were at the beginning of the movie. They're all going to get dragged down if something doesn't happen. So Wick cuts the rope. Like, he's at peace with himself. And he also, like, he just saved this man. He just didn't, he decided not to kill this man. And then 30 seconds later, he's like, oh, fuck him. <laughs> because he cuts the rope. <laughs> rather than rather than just cutting the rope that's going that will drop Vaughn into the abyss, he cuts the rope for himself, and so him, he and Vaughn both fall to their deaths. Annie and Peter are now light enough or whatever to escape. Right, and that's it. I don't know. We're back at base camp. Annie's being treated for her edema. She's going to be okay. Monique and Peter kiss. That's it, right? I'm not forgetting anything. I think that's it. Like it's. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he and Annie have a conversation where she tells him, you know, Dad would have been proud of you, and they... They play their little name the tune game from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, which one? And then Peter's like outside. He, yeah, he's Peter goes outside and they've got the monument where uh, Wick's wife was like memorialized, and now it's got it's got pictures of everybody that died in this right. event. 
Except Vaughn, which yeah, I think is, fuck that guy. is awesome. <laughs> like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll get memorialized on CNN and shit. And he yeah, doesn't need to be here. Well, and they do say <laughs> Peter and Annie... Yeah, that's it. Peter and Annie have their discussion that, like, Dad never would have wanted a grave. He wanted. He would have wanted his ashes scattered, like, up here. So I guess we're going to go dig up his grave. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to exhume his body, cremate it, and then bring his ashes up here? Is that the idea? <laughs> Unless he wasn't buried in the first place. That, but I think they said we'll. I think he, they just said we should come back here for him, you know, as like a remembrance in remembrance of him type of thing. That makes sense. Yeah, that would make more sense. I mean, maybe he was committed the first time because she said you never came to his funeral. I guess she didn't say you never came to his grave. I guess that's different. But true. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's vertical limit. Uh, I find it. Yeah, dumb fun. Yeah. <laughs> dumb, dumb fun. It's definitely a movie that came out into. I, I I would think it actually came out sooner than 2000, given how much just the egregious green screen in this movie. But yeah, I don't know. It's dumb fun yeah. in much the same way that a Fast and Furious movie is dumb fun. Except I think it's nowhere near as dumb as a Fast and Furious movie. Probably also not as fun as a Fast and Furious movie. So it's like a proto. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah, I remember. I think it gets a bad rap. I remember rap. very much liking it. When it when it first came out and and watching it a few times, but it's definitely been at least at least fifteen years since I watched it because I went to find it on my DVD shelf and found that it wasn't there anymore. I lost it at some point and didn't even notice. So yeah, that's <laughs> if you don't notice, then you must not have been needing it badly. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, it's no. not. It's not great, but I don't think it's as terrible as people make it out to be. I do think it's fun. But I do think it suffers from, yeah, I think it really blows its wad in that first couple minutes and then never kind of reaches that level of intensity again. Apparently it is stupider yeah. than I thought. Once I actually talked it through, a lot of it does sound pretty dumb. But I don't know. I don't mind dumb fun <laughs> once in a while. It's not dumb in an offensive way. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It's okay to turn your brain off once in a while and just, you know, that's fine. <laughs> it is that time of the episode where I press the magic button to see what... Next week's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be pressing the magic button right now. Next week's movie is Malevolent. It is on Netflix from 2018. It appears to be some kind of spooky haunted house movie, but here's what sets it apart from the pack. It stars Florence Pugh is the lead of this movie, and she elevates literally anything you put her in. So... This might be all right. Yeah. It might be like yeah, a, it might be like a bog yeah, standard it's, it's been, like ghost movie, but if she's in it, I'm probably going to like it. Yeah, it's been on my queue for a couple of months and I kind of forgot that I was going to watch it, but now I'm going to have to watch it. Not to be confused with I've there's a trilogy. There's a trilogy of movies called Malevolence, uh one of which has Alexander Daddario in it. It's not that. That's a different thing. <laughs> this is Malevolent. It's also not Maleficent. Malevolent. From 2018 <laughs> on Netflix. Starring Florence Pugh. Who, like, you know what, I can't... Okay, I will say she elevates everything. I won't say that I've liked everything that she's in. Because I did recently watch a movie she is in. It was her first movie, actually. With uh, Arya Stark. What's her name? Maisie Williams. Called The Falling. Uh, which is a real, real bad movie. But partially, due, spoiler alert... Uh -huh due in large part to the fact that Florence Pugh is only in like the first 20 minutes and then she dies and then the rest of the movie is Florence Pugh-less 
and fuck that. <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you ever? Why would you ever do that? But she's great, so we'll see how malevolent turns out. Yeah, so that's everyone's homework next week. Malevolent on Netflix. Where can people find you? As always, I could probably recite it uh, myself yeah, now. But go as ahead. always, I'm I'm Project Nerd Shirt pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, uh, at at nerd underscore shirt on Twitter, and I am. For those of you who are on there, I am Billy Loomis zero two zero nine on uh, Slasher, so I'm there as well. I always post there every time I watch a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, that's part of what it's for. I am uh, at Heath Lambert seventy eight <laughs> on Twitter. The show is that's so random at that's so random p two. Uh, the show is an email address that's so random pod at gmail dot com. Artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey, who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter and Slasher, at least. I've, I've given up on the notion that uh, Midwest Movie Maniacs is even a show that I'm a co-host of anymore, so <laughs> I don't know that it even exists. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> We've recorded three episodes that have yet to come out, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. I think that'll do it. We will see uh, Chris again very soon, in just a few weeks, for the big episode 100, which I don't... Have I announced it on an episode yet? Have I said what I'm doing? I don't remember. Should I wait till next episode? I don't. I don't think you have. I'll just do it. I'll just say it now since it's relevant because you will you will be there for episode 100 to celebrate mm-hmm. 100 episodes of this absolute silliness that I've been doing uh, and loving. I've decided that it will be that's not so random because I'm going to treat yourself, as Don Amigo <laughs> would say. I'm going to treat myself and pick. Pick a movie for the first time. I'm going to not spin the wheel. I'm not going to press the magic button and pick a movie. Uh, every 25 episodes, of course, is a fully featured commentary, as episode 100 will be. And so I have chosen my favorite movie. And when I say favorite, I mean, I know that it's not the best movie of all time. But it's just, for a number of reasons, it is remains my favorite movie. Chris will be back to talk about it. Liz and Sam from Fright Mike Podcast will be there as well. So it will be the four of us doing a full-length feature commentary of my favorite movie, The Crow. And that will be episode 100. I'm very, very, very In a few weeks. Yes, which I probably should tell people now, uh, until very recently was on HBO Max and is not anymore. (laughs) So uh, we will be watching it on DVD and Blu-ray because we're cool people who own The Crow, because why wouldn't you? Uh, But for those who... (laughs) And again, this isn't next episode. This is two episodes from now. But it is streaming on... Paramount Plus, if for some reason you have that, and also free on Pluto TV. The only problem with Pluto TV, watching on Pluto TV for a listen-along folding commentary is Pluto TV has ad breaks that you will have to pause the podcast for until the ads are over and then start it again because we're not going to have ad breaks in the commentary, obviously. So that's a bit of an issue, I guess. But yeah, that's my announcement about that. That's the big news about episode 100 kind of feel like I did announce it already at some point, but maybe not. Anyway, that'll do it for this week. Your homework once again, Malevolent from 2018 on Netflix. All right, well, then for this week, that will do it on behalf of myself and Chris. Uh, We will see you next week, and have a good one. Bye.